Welcome to the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Sponsored by Reinhold Flooring. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, back together, hour two, lunchtime, bean time, top of the hour, middle of the dial, middle of the country, upper part of the thermostat or thermometer right here, uh, 314-436-7900. It's getting to be a little warmish here and, uh, you know, humidity high as well, much of which drives my answers about attic ventilation, uh, all the various things, even uh, with Patrick in, in the end of hour one about ventilating his wood column. He wanted to know about the uh, um, tuck pointing uh, angle down at the bottom of his column. And although it makes things look good or a quarter round or trim, that wood column that is hollow inside requires intake or air ventilation or circulation from the bottom part of that column up inside like a chimney and escape out and he has some little uh, vent grills at the top of those wood columns and if you have columns that are 24 feet tall and two and a half feet in diameter same goes for you all of these columns uh, whether crane set on 24 feet tall or 8 10 12 feet and 8 12 inches in diameter set by hand all of these columns are a big deal they are typically some sort of structure to uh, support the roof overhang front porch whatever it is and some of those are tall big grand and heavily structural the bottoms of those columns sitting on masonry typically have a metal shoe, if you will, uh, aluminum or steel that sits that wood base of the column. No matter how ornate or simple the base of that wood column may be, those are pieces that lift the wood away from touching the concrete base, touching the brick base, whatever that masonry surface surface is, because that concrete and that brick, they get wet. And then Mother Nature says, okay, when you get wet, you need to get dry. So that brick and that concrete will wick or off-gas or push, vapor drive is the science term for it, drive that moisture up into the air to evaporate or drive it right into the bottom of that wood column and eventually rot the bottom of that wood column because it just stays wet too long and then it gets sunlight and the summertime comes and uh, you know all of a sudden you have to replace these columns or at least the bottom sections at the very least these are you know kind of hairy repair projects you really have to know structure know what you're doing Uh, it's not complex but uh, it is one of those small repair jobs with high knowledge and generally simple skills um, to uh, make all that happen in the way you want it to happen. So those are things that uh, um, take an awake construction crew to repair. And the reason I know this is Mosby Building Arts, my home company, if you will, uh, the company that employs me and that I own, um, we do a lot of those repairs. So intimately we know um, why those things are there, what those shoes are. And again, in Mosby Building Arts assessing a remodeling project, those are the kinds of things that we look at when we go around the house. We're looking for, you know, Federal Pacific, stab, stab lock breakers, the old panels that are outlawed or, or um, obsolete and uh, homeowners insurance really sometimes refuse to uh, insure homes that still have those old electric panels in them because they were prone to fires. Uh, so we're looking for that because frankly, you know, we come up with whatever the project is, whether a small one or a big one, 
anything wrong with the house that might need emergency attention or needs attention with a higher priority than whatever we're looking at, you know, golly, that's a threat to that remodeling project and a potential break of trust with our clients who count on us to, you know, drive their ship reliably for them. So uh, Mosby Building Arts has a huge history in home inspection. In fact, my father, Sam Mosby, who founded our company in 1947, uh, also spent many years and was one of the original founding members of ASHI, American Society of Home Inspectors, because uh, as he uh, turned the business over to me in 1983, he said, I'm, you know, I'm going to do this home inspection thing. You know, new legislation has made it very important for that, for consumers to have their own home inspector. I've been doing home inspection since the beginning of the business. And likewise, as I took over the business, th- assessing properly the health and the uh, reliability of a home and its needed or um, ignored repair budgets, uh, you know, you get halfway through a project and all of a sudden the electrical roughing inspection, the inspector shows up and says, oh, <laughs> you need to charge the, the customers another $5,000 for a new electrical panel. Oh, oh, wow. Uh, what if they don't have it? You know, that kind of thing. So we take it upon ourselves. And that's why we appear expensive at times is because we are thorough. We do our homework. Um, And in our design build projects, we charge a fee for that and a fee for designing and a fee for going through all those selections, all those things that make a project go as fast, as reliable, uh, manage the the messed up uh, logistic system of getting products to us and therefore to you and built into your projects. Anyway, the long and the short of it is we virtually inspect every house we work on and we're looking for trouble because, frankly, trouble can mean trouble for us and for you as the client. So we have a very deep a home inspection part of thing, even though we don't really inspect a house. If we're invited to a home on a home inspection, always invite an ashy home inspector, somebody who carries that independence and we're there to say well this is kind of how much it would cost to put on a room addition or if you want to do this kitchen you're in this kind of a range from here to here so we carry a different energy when we're along at home inspections oftentimes our clients call us and say i'm you know i'm looking for a home in kirkwood i i'm in this price range and i'm looking for reliable you know i know you you and your company and your compatriots at mosby building arts get in and out of a lot of homes let me know if one's coming well, seldom times are we the first ones to find that house, but oftentimes we're invited in at the early part of that home purchase because what we do and what we are offering as to the consumers is very different than a home inspection. Uh, however, you know, I love going out with home inspectors because I love to talk to smart people. And uh, anyway, they're one of the underappreciated uh, skills in house purchasing as, as well. A 314-436-7900, We're going to go up till 1 o'clock today here on KMOX. 1 p.m., your retirement professionals. 2 p.m., business, family business. I'm going to get to our phone lines right when we get back. Uh, I'm loaded. I'm locked and loaded, ready for bar. So right here on KMOX. Scott Mosby, I'll be right back after this. Oh yeah, Scott Mosby here, Hour 2, Lunchtime, K-M-O-X. Hey, you can follow me on odyssey.com, A-U-D-A-C-Y, an app, A-P-P, short for application, you know, for smartphones, you download it from the Apple Store, various places, or you can listen live, KMOX.com. Long and the short of it is, you can take me with you, you can hit that button that says mute, and that results in a 
that no, I'm not supposed. To, sorry, you hit the mute button, so I stopped. Three one four four three six seven nine hundred. But anyway, Odyssey app. You can take me with you wherever you want to go. Let's go to some very patient callers and get the phone lines fired up and talk to Donna. Hey, Donna Scott Mosby here. Thank you for your patience. How can I help? Hi, Scott. Thanks for your help over the years for all of us. Thank um, you. I have a a really cheap nine drawer chest that I have painted the top. I have painted the case and the drawer fronts. Now, this is raw wood, and the uh, drawers have no rollers or guides of any kind. Mm -hmm. So in order to get them to slide easier, I rubbed a bar of soap over the surfaces uh, uh, where a runner would be and whatever, but... uh, only on a couple of drawers, and that was messy. But uh, do you <laughs> yes. have any suggestions of silicone or something that will help this stuff uh, slide easier? Uh, no, that's pretty much it. Uh, your paraffin wax, bar of soap, anything that is in liquid form on wood will make it uh, swell. So right. your tight aperture, uh, and and if it depends on how tight it is, but big drawers, old drawers on some of these old chests, you know they 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 warp and they get a kilter and you know just they don't line up quite like they should. But frankly, um, unless you're willing to you know pull them out and start sanding them down to make them smoother, and then you still have to put a slickum, you know, a, a paraffin wax, a bar of soap, or something like that, and it it does. I mean, you're you're leaving deposits while you're shaving off, you know, <laughs> debris in yeah. bar soap form. So I get it. Yeah. Um, but no liquids. So anything like a yeah. WD-40 will take you backwards and it'll get stickier than ever. Okay. So I can get a bar of paraffin? Yeah. That, uh, Par- okay. You know, like right. canning wax, well. just like uh, that goes with the mason jars, all that stuff for canning. Same old thing. You have to buy. Th- uh, candle wax will work. Yeah, it's. Oh, I mean, okay. Yeah, any any port in a storm, and you know, I used to carry a bar of soap, and then I got really sophisticated, and I started carrying paraffin wax. <laughs> uh huh. Okay. Well, I, I'll try the paraffin too, and I will take all this outside and do it, so uh, I don't make a big mess that I have to clean up again. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes I forget to to mention that part, you know, doing a construction project, we're cleaning up anyway, so, but I forget about homeowners, you know, rubbing that thing, so there is a byproduct to that, my apologies. (laughs) Okay, Scott, thank you so much, I appreciate your help. All right, Donna, take care. (laughs) Bye-bye. Home, likewise, uh, Donna's point of wood on wood, you know, drawers that are just uh, wood on wood friction slide on old furniture, typical in antiques, 100 years old. We just want to put, just like waxing your car or, you know, waxing a window, whatever it is, you need a smoother, slicker surface on both surfaces. So you're putting it on the bottom of the drawer and you're also putting it on the drawer glide, which is in this case, wood to wood. So you're making wax slide on wax Um, and and that's the thing likewise window sashes where I first learned this is when you have wood to wood an old wood window sash and a wood window frame and on a day like today 90 degrees high humidity St. Louis wood swells it gets bigger and as it gets bigger it pinches on that window sash that thing that slides up and down or left and right S-A-S-H window sash Uh, you basically 
rub paraffin wax or bar soap on the the window guide or glide wood to wood and you're trying to make that uh, swelled or multiple paint coated window sash that's now literally too big for its guide uh, you're trying to lubricate that so that's the basis of that uh, next up let's talk to my buddy Jim also patient hey Jim Scott Mosby good afternoon how can I help hey Mike on doorknobs yeah. after you take one off and you put it back on mm-hmm. is there an easy way to line up the screw holes I tried putting the screw put a ice pick in it to go one side, line up, and then try to hit the other side. But is there an easy way of doing it? No. <laughs> no. I, <laughs> Thank I, you. I, no, brother. No, brother. I, I, just to hold your hand, um, I, I like your idea with an ice pick. But really, it's just getting – sometimes I will tape – uh, not with masking tape, well, with mask, uh, not not duct tape, but masking tape. Sometimes I'll get the, uh, you know, the the type that slides in, and sometimes, you know, I'll tape it on so that it stays horizontal. And then when I slide the new escutcheon from the inside, mm-hmm. I try to get that as level horizontal left to right yeah. as I can. And then, and then I, you know, I typically, you know, just prod around with that long screw trying to hit something. Um, so yeah. I don't, I, there might be a, a, a magical method, brother, but uh, I don't know it. <laughs> I, I, well, it's usually like on the clock, it's like about a nine and three position. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's a hunt and pick situation. Like you say, then you don't know if you got the threads lined up straight because you don't want to cross thread it and so on and so yeah, forth. Yeah. So. Okay. No, you're now once you get that down just before you really tighten those screws up to to perfect, you want to readjust and make sure that you're uh having that mechanism move freely so when you flap that door knob or door lever that, you know, it freely moves and then, you know, your door latches correctly because if 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 you let say for a lever knock, a lever knob uh, or lock set, it'll it'll want to sag down to by gravity and sometimes that pinches up the mechanism. Mechanism, so you get it all screwed down tight. Turn around, you walk away, and your wife says, "I can't get out the door." Yeah, I know. Yeah, I I found that out. You got to constantly be moving the knob, make sure it works freely. So, yeah. hey, I finally stumped you. Oh, it didn't take much. I'll tell you what. You know, <laughs> hey, trying to thank. Thank you for trying to help me out, man. Well, stay tuned because this is how I learn stuff because oftentimes I get people from the listening audience, you know, they're scratching their head like I thought this guy was pretty smart. It's like all you have to do is, you know, and so hang on. We may learn something yet today. Okay. I've listened to you all the time. you got a very good program and you've helped me out several times, believe me. Thank you. That's why I do it. Thank you. Take care, Jim. Okay. Thanks, Mike. Bye. All right. Bye now. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. Uh, we are wrapping up here about halfway through hour two. Uh, let's see if we can take note. We've got some phone times here, 314-436-7900, if you want to jump on and jump in. Let's see about Chris here. Hey, Chris, good afternoon. Welcome to CamWex. How can I help you today? Scott, how are you? Thank you for taking my call. Thank you. And I'm fantabulous, my friend. I have a question, and I am, I, I tell people this, and people say, no, you're crazy. That doesn't happen. But in the summertime, I have two doors that seem like they get they get stuck, and I have to adjust the metal lock um, lock catcher that's on the door frame to get mm-hmm. them to close. And then in the wintertime, they're they're fine; they just move freely. And then as soon as it starts getting hot again in the summer, they it seems like they they get tighter or 
or they stick or something is what what is causing that is that really is i'm i'm sure it's happening because i have to fool with it every year and yeah. is and it, what's causing it and is, is there a way to fix it yeah it's humidity you are absolutely correct um, you have wood doors. This is why there's so many aluminum doors and metal doors and steel doors that are coming on the market um, because they don't they aren't as subject to humidity. But uh, the reason you're experiencing you're not crazy. You are absolutely 100 percent accurate. Your doors swell. And and this goes for wood windows, too, though. You know, the people with wood windows, you know, in these historic homes, they do, too. Everything gets bigger. And if, in fact, you were to measure your interior doors, your exterior doors, your cabinet doors, the feet on your furniture, your crown mold casing base in your house, every piece of wood gets bigger according to how much moisture humidity so the more close feeling you you feel in st louis of oh man it's hot and humid it's close to well your doors and your window sashes they're all getting fatter and they're getting bigger and in fact for painting when you have a wood door on an interior of a house or exterior then frankly the specification the spec is to paint or seal six sides, S-I-X as in five, six, seven, six sides, face one, face two, and all four edges, trying to slow down the change in size from moisture intake and exhale because wood is very, very, wood will absorb something like 16% of its weight in moisture before it has any adverse rot effects. So wood is a great manager of water um, and, and, and the reason, so oftentimes the spec when we paint doors inside, and that's why Mosby has its own painters because most painters don't paint any of the edges unless you see them. And it's seal or paint six sides, and that's face face plus four edges. Okay. Uh, yeah, you're so absolutely there's nothing correct. I can there's nothing I could do short of moving to a, a less humid uh, place. Then, well, uh, frankly, uh, you can move that keeper a little bit. The problem is sometimes does it stick in the frame it's, itself, where sometimes it's just hard to open. It's it's yes it's it's. it's it sticks in the frame, but it really sticks with the lock when I go to lock it with the deadbolt because the oh. keeper seem like it seems like it's 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 off or tight or something something's yeah. wrong with. Move your keeper either higher or lower, so inst- you're you're minimal, minimally moving that, uh, or you can adjust your hinges too. Look at the door panel, how it sits inside the door frame, and look at your margins. So you've got three margins. I'm ignoring the bottom. You've got left, right, and then the top. They should all be about even, whatever that space is. And if your door has sagged a little, and it does, I mean it's a big long lever, two and a half, three feet long, and three hinges. You may want to tighten up or lift the door up so that that door knob rises a little higher. And then when it gets fatter, you know, you're so close to the uh, um, tolerance, you know, to where you're you're probably within a sixteenth of degree because those doors swell. It doesn't take much more than a paper thickness to make them hard to operate. So just, just mess with it. It may be worth it for you to spend an hour or two to really figure out how to get that doorkeeper in the middle of that uh, doorknob so that it's not so close to not opening or not closing. You know what I mean? Up and down and in and out. Yeah. 
Well, thank you so much. That gives me some peace of mind because I was like, I know I'm not imagining this. It happens uh, every year. I, no. In, in fact, you're in, in fact you're right in the middle of the laws of physics, you know? Wood swells. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Have a good rest of the day. All right, Chris. Take care, friend. Bye now. Home improvement, KMOX, so many things. So there you go. So Chris has this experience. He knows it's real. He doesn't know why. Gives a call. Now he understands. With that why it happens, I'm trying to empower you to a point of, okay, well, if those are the rules, I want to play the game successfully. So I think I'll, instead of just a in the door to make it work just this summer, What's happening? Is it is it swelling so that the in and out, you know, I need to adjust this keeper um, further to the exterior of the house. And, and when I say further, I'm talking maybe a sixteenth of an inch. Uh, also on interior doors, for those of you that uh, may hear the door move, bump, 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 bump. Um, Oftentimes, I'll get questions here on KMOX where a listener will say, you know, every time my air conditioning comes on in the summer, you know, my doors bump. Well, there's a keeper. If you look on your interior doors, the keeper being the part in the door frame, the door jam, the thing that never moves, the door swings in and out. That keeper, there's a little lever or flap inside where the plunger goes. And that you can stick a screwdriver, a flat blade, regular screwdriver, and bend it toward a little bit toward the center. Because if you have a door that really works the way it's supposed to, a freely swinging, latching, easy move door, well, when the heating and cooling goes on, now you've pressurized the hallway or whatever, maybe the return air is out in the hall and the supplies are in the bedroom. Well, it pressures and it sucks that door closed and you hear all the doors going boom. You know, just a little bump, and if if you're not awake to hear it, sound sleepers never have this question. Light switch sleepers do. In fact, it's just adjusting that little flap inside the keeper. Um, and if you don't know what, just you have to kind of stick your, take a flashlight and take a look right down in there on the frame, and you'll see that thing. But this is answering an unasked question, I grant you. But uh, typically, people, uh, you, you don't know whether you can fix it because you don't really know what it is. If I can tell you why it's happening, generally, you can noodle your way through and figure out how to make your world better. Uh, Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. Stay tuned, 314-436-7900. Uh, I'll be back for more in a little bit after this. I'm going to take a short pause. Come back here on University of KMOX. Oh, yeah. Watch this. Chat here. We're here. Watch my best move. Here you go. Little Michael Jackson, watch here. Here, watch here. Here, spin. Yeah, got a little moonwalk backwards. You like it? I don't have the white glove. Don't worry. Don't worry. Oh, baby. Oh, I'm really impressed with me. Uh, never mind. You didn't hear that. I didn't say that out loud. Scott Mosby here on KMWX will get my medication adjusted any moment. Either that or Gary, my producer, is going to grab that hook. Remember the old stage manage, manager thing where they just kind of hook you off the stage when you're kind of offline? I'm pretty close to that edge there. I prom- I'll, be, I'll be good. Anyway, home improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX, 314-436-7900, 436-7900. We're getting through today and learning some stuff. Uh, an unanswered question. Here we go. Uh, I'm stumped. Uh, Jim had a, a question for me. What is the best way to align doors? doorknobs when you're putting together you've got one on one side of the you've got the door halfway open and you're putting a new doorknob back on or whatever and you get the one side on it it has the big deep cylinders that go all the way through to where then the other side comes on the escutcheon so now you're 
you're handling the two doorknobs on both sides of the door. They're not screwed together quite yet, and you're trying to line those puppies up. I don't have a good answer for that. Um, there's no magic to, you know, I'm, and frankly, when I'm really desperate, I mean, sometimes you get some of these very high spec, I mean, gold finished uh doorknobs that you know might be on a door that's two and a quarter inches thick or or two and three quarter i mean which like a fatter than your big fat i mean big slabs of lumber on hinges and you know you can't scratch this stuff up because you know the doorknobs might be two thousand bucks a copy you know it's like oh you know and people say well why does it cost more to put on expensive door hinges because we have to move at a snail's pace to make sure that we don't mess up those finishes. It's not like a slap it together, screw it on, you're done. It's like agonize over protecting all these gazillion dollar finishes because you pick something out of I Love You magazine as opposed to a doorknob. So uh, oddly enough, when people say, well, why does it cost more to install expensive fixtures? It's well, because if we mess them up, we bought them. You know, and and frankly, uh, we're working very slowly, diligently, and intentionally to make sure those things. So anyway, uh, back to the question. You know, Jim, I don't, I don't have an answer. In Jim's words, I stumped you. Well, you know, my wife says that all the time. It's like, yeah, you're not. You know, for a guy that answers questions every Saturday, you don't know much. Uh, any, not really. But uh, anyway. You all know what I'm talking about. Uh, let's see what's happening with my buddy Lenny. Hey, Lenny, Scott Mosby, good afternoon. Welcome to KMOX. How can I help? Hey, how are you doing this afternoon? <clears throat> uh, probably sassier than I should be, but I'm having a good time. Hope you are, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my question, have you heard anything about a class action lawsuit against uh, shingle manufacturers like we had with the sheetrock, you know, maybe um, a decade ago? Uh, well, I remember I guess, the sheetrock, you know, the yeah, Chinese sheetrock. I do remember that issue. I'm not so fluent in uh, roofing shingles. What's happening? Okay. Well, uh, about, I don't know, 12, 13 years ago, I put an addition on my house, and I tied in, you know, with the ridge. I, I went perpendicular with the existing house. And I used the same, since it's on the backside of the house, it was close enough in color. I mean, the same brand, everything. You know, the, of course, the front ones had aged. But the ones in the back, for some reason, every t- I get up about every two months and check my gutters. Yeah, I'm getting a lot of lot of grit in those back ones. I don't get them on the front. I got my outbuilding, which I did the same. You know, the same thing with it's far enough away from the house that you know. Short story long, for some reason the the grit is breaking loose on that on that back addition and i didn't and i'm getting ready since the first roof is getting to be about 22 23 years old in the next year or so this old man's got to get up on the roof and do it again um is there something that i did could have done wrong in the back that would break i mean i there's no cupping there's no anything like that it's just the grit's breaking loose well you you and i get wrinkles our skin gets dry and less pliable and it's more prone to injury so so exactly as shingles so when you have a 22 year old shingle whether it's a 25 or a 30 year roof you're at the end of that life and those granules fall off really fast that's how they die that's the good one well that's talking about the the 13 shingles do you have fiberglass yes, shingles on there? Yeah, it's it's the it's the architectural, you know, yeah. ones. 
Well, I did a, a, I did a search here on class action shingles, and almost every major manufacturer has one, some class action lawsuit going. So, you so know. I could have just got a bad batch of shingles? Well, that's very much. I mean, keep in mind, a really good manufacturing um, percentage is we are 99% error-free. Well, when you build a gazillion uh, square feet of shingles a year, somebody gets that 1%. Um, that's why they're warranties. But frankly, unless it really changes the performance of those shingles, uh, I can tell you, I've, I've experienced that um, old and new. I, I have some experience where uh, they were going from regular mat shingles to fiberglass mat, and they didn't have that worked out about 20 years ago. And there was just a lot of movement, uh, expansion, contraction, and, and it was literally kind of sloughing the, the roof granules off those shingle panels. So you're not describing anything that we don't really deal with every day. And, um, you know, I mean, okay. Well, I was, since, since this grit was breaking loose anyway, whenever I do the original roof, you know, I was just going to do it all. And I just wanted to make sure I was just going to make sure that I, I hadn't done anything. There could be some cause for that grit breaking loose, but maybe it's just those shingles, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, keep in mind, even the mats, I mean, even a shingle, which looks like a pretty simple product, you know, it has dozens of materials in that. Even the background fabric that without granules, just the background fabric has has fibers in it, has binder in it, uh, has all kinds of, you know, plasticizers to keep it pliable at 170 degrees and direct sun, you know, all that. So there's just a bunch of materials that go into making a roof shingle. And every one of those pieces has a margin of uh, quality. And not, you know, so, I mean, you get most of them are on the upper side of quality. You come out with a good roof shingle. But it, it just, anything man can make, you know, nature can tear up. So. <laughs> oh, know. I know that. Yep. Okay. Well, thanks. Thanks, sir. Yeah. I'll uh, I'll just proceed and see what happens, yeah. I guess. This yeah, is my don't... last roof, though. I'm getting too old for this stuff. <clears throat> hey, brother, I, I know exactly how you feel. Um, uh, so, but the point being, if you're going to re-roof that house, re-roof it all. Do not, okay. you know, play the the game number one. Uh, you, then you're in two different warranty things, and you can be turned. Manufacturer's rep comes out and says, "Okay, look at it." So this roof's, you know, too old. This doesn't even, you know, da 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 da. Get get it all replaced, all whether you're paying for it or doing it yourself. Then you've got the same maintenance cycle. You know, you've got all the same. And you can assess it of, did I get a quality product? Did I get a quality installation? You know, am I entitled to some sort of warranty from either the installer or the manufacturer or both? Uh, yeah, don't miss the opportunity to bring an entire system to the same maintenance uh, calendar. 10-4. Uh, real quick then, too. Whenever, you know, when I spun that, that gables, you know, perpendicular to the original one for venting, I, yeah. I did, you know, I did my gable on my my north side and then what i did is i just cut i cut the sheeting loose from the from the main house so it ties is that plenty is that good enough yeah of, yep. of course okay yeah yeah but right. keep in mind the hole in that roof sheathing has to be at least as big as the vent in the gable end too you see what i mean if you no, have I, a two I, by three then you have a two by three or bigger in the roof because you you still can't cut it up at the very top because that's where the structure of the gable roof is so you're better to make it a little bit bigger than your gable vent on the on the front oh i yeah they're plenty big i can walk through yeah. them so perfect all right thanks Scott. all right you did good sir thank you good you're, question you're bye. 
All right, Lenny, take care. Scott Mosby, home improvement. Take a short pause. Come back for more. Stay tuned. Cardinal baseball tonight on KMOX. Uh, We're getting fired up about 645. So stay tuned. Cardinals on KMOX tonight. I'll be right back after this. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Sponsored by Reinhold Flooring. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right. Ho, ho, ho. We are live and lively. Uh, we've had a good hour here. Stay tuned. Uh, coming up here at uh, 1 o'clock following this show, News, Weather, and Sports, your retirement professionals, 2 o'clock business of family business, then an afternoon of good uh, programming here on KMOX. Cardinal Baseball tonight, 645 here on KMOX. Uh, we've had some good information uh, exchanged. Uh, attic insulation, where it belongs. One question was uh, on the uh, foil uh, insulation foil i advise according to my training on uh, building sciences foil belongs at the top roof sheathing or at the ceiling line itself of drywall or plastic ceiling right at the ceiling joist that's the most efficient way when you put it on top of the insulation it still makes an improvement but a uh, largely diminished improvement because you're all you are trapping the air in the insulation which is a good thing and you're reflecting up and down the problem is you're not harvesting all of your investment because it's best done up at the very top of the roof sheathing or very bottom at the roof ceiling itself. Uh, Wood swells. Doors and windows, sashes and doors are harder to operate this time of year, and especially in July and August when we have high humidity, high temperature. Wood absorbs that moisture called moisture content, um, and the more it has, the more the bigger it is, uh, to the point that uh, visiting, and, and I visited a lot of uh, window manufacturers, millwork, cabinet manufacturing uh, plants, uh, in fact, up in the north country where the forests are, so near where the natural material is for wood, windows, and door manufacturers. That's where all the lumber comes from, so that's where a lot of those window plants are. It gets so cold up there in in Canada or the Canadian border up by northern U.S., oftentimes you wind up with a steam being sprayed into the factories trying to raise the relative humidity because when it's you know 20 degrees below zero anderson marvin pella all those places they're cold that's where wood comes from where the lumber is so they spray steam into their factories trying to raise the relative humidity because if they build all those doors and windows with the precision that they do with today's manufacturing as soon as you ship that very very dry wood window or door or cabinet or trim and you ship it down to the u.s and st louis and then you store it for about two three months at 70 and 80 degree 80 percent relative humidity all those door styles swell they expand and they get bigger you know uh just you know like the question we had of does my wood door swell well you betcha you you bet it does um so anyway as we got in earlier uh so chris has doors that stick so anyway the point being that even in manufacturing for quality to limit the quality problem projects they have um they humidify those plants 
uh, the manufacturing uh, factories to raise that relative humidity closer to where their customers and the ultimate installation of those products goes. And when you get to flooring, likewise, so you have a wood floor, you buy wood floors and your contractor says, you know, I need to, I can't start right away. I need that wood flooring to be delivered and sit in your house for three days to six days to whatever it is, whatever their judgment is, because I want it to acclimate to the relative humidity. So when I put it together, it has the most probable um, success life that it won't swell too big or too small. And then you have squeaky wood floors where you didn't. So the point being that managing moisture in the Midwest is big, big deal. I mean, you all get tired of me hearing about moisture on this show because it's the basis of so many of my answers and some of the foibles that you and I as consumers have. In fact, um, for example, wood doors. When somebody says, I want real wood interior doors, it's like, oh boy. Okay, then you're installing a humidifier because during the winter I want your heating system to humidify so that the wood on those doors in the first two years, those doors say stay stable in size because you can swell the the styles which are the boards you know the rails so where you've got styles and rails on a six panel door you've got those horizontal and vertical things and then you have the panels inside in real wood doors those panels slide they are set into grooves so having a masonite or a composite door the reason you see so many of those masonite composite six panel doors whether solid core heavy you know or hollow and light is because they're stable and when you paint it if you change the humidity on that stuff a whole bunch they don't move a whole lot with a real wood door real wood cabinet real wood furniture real wood crown mold base trim casing all that stuff every one of those miters gets squeezed and oftentimes the miter joints crack and show ghosting quality details And you say well that's a bad installation nope you didn't manage the moisture in your house so FYI, we have in our contract, Mosby Building Arts, a moisture content that says, I promise for the next year that I will keep my relative humidity in my house at, you know, 25%, 30%, whatever it is. What we're trying to do is keep that wood from moving so much and destroying all the quality labor that, and installation we put in. Anyway, stay tuned. Coming up next, your retirement professionals, 2 o'clock business, a family business on KMOX.